couple of things real quick. First question, or a question. How do you keep your healing? Alright, now. First off. Let's say you're well. Then you get sick. Okay, you didn't lose your healing, you lost your health. Right? Because you were well and then you got sick. So the first time you're well and you get sick, you don't lose your healing because you weren't healed, you lost your health. Right? Now, you get prayed for and you get well. Now you've been healed. Now, if you get sick again, technically, you could call it losing your healing, but you've also lost your health. Now, usually we try to say lose your healing when we're referring to the same thing coming back on you again. I'm not sure that that's always what takes place, even if it's the same named disease. It can be that different things... If you run into a gang of thugs, or you walk down the street and there's a gang of thugs there, and you can tell there's different uh, ranking among them, Right? You know, there's a leader and then there's followers and all the way down. Now, if the first day you walk through, the leader jumps on you and beats you up. And the next day, you wait a week and you're well. And you go back through there again and the next, the next time you walk back through there, not the leader but his assistant jumps on you. Now, even though you're still getting beat up, you're losing your healing, so to speak, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same person jumping on you. Right? So even though it's the same game, it's not the same person. Right? So let's say you had cancer. You got healed, got prayed for and got healed. And then many times another cancer, another type of cancer or a cancer in another place comes upon you. People say, oh see I lost my healing, I've got my cancer back. I'm convinced dealing with a lot of people that it is a different cancer even to the point where I would call it a different spirit. You understand what I'm saying? So, see, we think in terms of what we try to... Usually in most meetings, sometimes as many as 30% of the people in the meetings are in the health profession. Nurses, doctors, health care, something along those lines. The reason being is because... Now, this is... I don't want to say opinion. You might say it's opinion. I believe it's fact. Okay? But you may have a different opinion. Okay? So... I believe that the reason we tend, and I'm sure this isn't the first healing meeting that possibly you've been in, a lot of times health professionals, or people are in the health profession, go to healing meetings is because they're trying to fulfill, by natural means, a spiritual calling. You've had leanings toward healing. You've, you, you have a natural gifting or an inclination toward healing the sick. When I was a child... Even when I, when I was as young as, um, what, nine, about nine through twelve, I was convinced that I was going to go into the United States Air Force as a flight surgeon, right? And was going to go into the medical profession from that aspect. Eventually, I ended up going into the Air Force and going in as a security police, uh, law enforcement specialist, and then uh, went into a pararescue and was going in that route whenever God said, nope, won't you do this, right? And so, there's a, I believe many times we try to fulfill in the natural well, Abraham. Okay? <laughs> you try to fulfill in the natural what God has promised you in the Spirit. And so, 
Now what happens is, just like what happened with Abraham, you will birth an Ishmael. Okay? And whenever you study the medical profession a lot of times, now this doesn't have to be, because you can use it. You can use the knowledge you gain to help. But many times it becomes an Ishmael that hurts you more than helps you because you know too much, so to speak, in the areas of biology and physiology. And when we talk about, uh, you give me a name or let's say, um, well, I have to be careful how I say certain things, but let's say you have a particular ailment that the medical profession would say is caused by chemical imbalances. Like maybe bipolar, something like that. I, I, try to, I try to be very sensitive and no one here has mentioned to me bipolar, so I will say it. Whereas there are other diseases that I have heard mentioned that I could bring up, but I don't want to draw attention to any person. Okay, So you just want to be sensitive to the people that are around. <clears throat> but let's say bipolar. And if you are here with bipolar, you can be fixed. Not a problem. right? So I'm not pointing you out. and Just keep quiet and I will know. Okay, <laughs> unless your bipolar acts up and then you'll throw a fit. So anyway, so just, just kidding. Anyway, what happens though is they will say, well, that's due to a chemical imbalance in the brain, and one part of the brain doesn't produce the right chemicals or in the right amount. And, and okay, now you say that's the cause. I'm saying that is a footprint. Okay, it's not the cause; it's a footprint. Now, like if if a person is schizophrenic. They give them medicine. But you'll notice they will tell you, this will not cure schizophrenia. It controls it. Right? It doesn't... Now, how does it control it? Usually, the way the medicine works is it... This is definitely not a technical term, but I believe you will understand what I mean. It numbs the part of the body that is normally used by that problem that allows it to function. But they will give you medicine that numbs that part that, so that it, doesn't, it can't function, it can't express itself through, those, through the normal means. Now, the chemical imbalance is not the problem. It is evidence that a problem was there. Okay? Because problems don't develop. Right? <clears throat> because if you have certain, for instance, bipolar... There's times when you're fine. But there's other times when you're not fine. Now, if it's a medical problem, it should be constant. Right? If it's a medical problem, it should be constant. It shouldn't come and go. But now, but now see, many times people think, well, yeah, but this disease comes and goes. No, that's what we have determined that. What comes and goes is a spirit. Okay? And that's what causes it. Now, the chemical imbalance does not cause it. It is the footprint of when the spirit was there that messes with the parts of the body that produces the chemicals in the right amount. Okay? Diabetes is very similar the same way of insulin. Now, here's what devils do. Okay? <clears throat> devils take advantage of weakness. And if through nutrition or the lack thereof, like diabetes. Diabetes is generally thought of as a nutritionally... Uh, brought on disease to some degree. And there's different levels. There's some that you know are early on or what they would call hereditary, things like that. But many people, because of wrong diet, over a period of time, causes a breakdown, or actually what it does is it causes, if you have too much sugar in your body, then your body will quit making it. In the form of insulin, the glucose, that kind of stuff. Okay, it kind of varies back and forth. Now, 
what happens is when, when whatever, whatever is not natural to you, anything, anything that's not naturally produced in your body, if you take it from the outside, your body will try to regulate it by not producing it. And when you continue to take it for an amount of time, your body will quit making it because it says, I don't have to, because you're going to keep bringing it in. Now, that weakness, what you're doing is you are creating a weakness in your immune system. Now, the enemy, the devil, takes advantage of those and starts to propagate the disease that would come from that. Because for every person that has a disease that they say was brought on by this method, I can show you people who have the exact same diet that don't get it. And if that was brought on by that diet, then everybody with that diet should get it. Right? That's just logic. Now, but the difference is, you have three immune systems. You have an emotional immune system, you have a physical immune system, and you have a spiritual immune system. A person with a strong physical immune system doesn't generally get sick, but they still can, and sometimes do. But, you can have a strong physical immune system, but a weak emotional immune system, and over a period of time, the emotional immune system will bring the physical immune system down. Right? So, you can be under a lot of stress, physically strong, but over a period of time, the body will begin to get sick because the emotion, soul, is higher than body in the hierarchy or in the rank. Now, if you have a weak spiritual immune system, you can have a strong emotional and a strong physical and yet still get sick easily because of the spiritual immune system. Dr. Peterson down at ORU did some research and I believe it's even on their website but he started taking people that prayed in tongues and he started doing research on their immune system and he found out that people that prayed in tongues for 30 minutes a day raised their physical immune system by 30% now I'm thinking okay, 30 minutes is 30% then we ought to do at least 100 minutes for 100% right? now so there are levels of immune system. Why? Why is the spiritual immune system so much more important? Because the spirit is higher in rank. Spirit, soul, body. Right? Now, you can have a weak physical but strong spiritual immune system and still not get sick physically because the spirit would carry the body. Right? So there are levels in this that you begin to look at. Now, when a person... <coughs> Through various diseases, the enemy tries to come in through weakness. Whenever you create that weakness over a period of time, he gets a foothold. That's where he starts to work. Now, let's deal with one thing. People say, yeah, but um, the devil has a right to be here because I gave him an open door. Okay? Let's analyze it. First off, if a Christian, let's let's say, because you're always dealing with two types of people, Christian and non-Christian. right? Now, first off, I will never ask you what you are. Even if you get in line, I won't ask you if you're a Christian or non-Christian. Because... I don't know if you're telling me the truth anyway. Right? Now, if I really want to know, I'll watch your life. That's what will tell me if you're a Christian or not a Christian. Because I'll see the fruit. I'll see the, the proof of it. Okay? But I'm not, going to, um, I'm not going to take your word for it, so to speak. In dealing with this, a person in a, uh, over a period of time, if they have a spiritual immune system that is built up, then they can pretty much do anything they have to and it won't affect them physically. In other words, 
Now, for a period of time, right? I'm not talking about forever. But for instance, uh, even Dr. Summerall. Dr. Summerall taught us how to operate out of our spirit rather than our flesh. Most people, ministers, minister out of their flesh or at best out of their soul rather than their spirit most of the time. That's why ministers get burned out. That's why, because they're operating out of the flesh or the soul as opposed to the spirit. When you're operating out of the spirit, you can get up, long, get up earlier, go to bed later, get more work done, and I don't care what age. Dr. Summerall was 83 years old and outran young men 20 years old. Right? But it's because he didn't flow out of the flesh. He ministered out of the spirit. He could continue going. He could do the long hours. He could eat pretty poor foods. And yet none of that would affect him. So in other words, he had learned to operate from here to where nothing touches it. Now, the more you learn to operate out of that, the less things can touch you. Now, the more you operate, the more the Spirit is, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind so that it floods all areas and what is seen on the outside is what's on the inside. The more you do that, the less things can touch you and the more you're able to say, that, you know, the wicked one comes and has nothing in me. Alright? Now that includes sin and all those other areas. All that stuff is gone. But I'm saying you learn how to operate in this. That's why many ministers, um, they'll get wore out. They'll get tired. They'll get uh, irritable. You know, dis- driving distances and or that kind of stuff. Or you can just operate out of the Spirit and do whatever you have to do. Once you develop that. Now see, what we're doing and what Dr. Summerall taught us in the beginning was how to flow out of that on a regular basis. That's how you operate. We're to operate out of the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. If you do that, what we're doing in the Spirit realm is equivalent of what the military does to the physical. See, we start with the Spirit and work outward. The military takes, starts with the physical and works inward. They will drive you and drive you and work you physically and try to exhaust you mentally where eventually you will cut off uh, like a switch. You will switch from physical to spiritual. Right? Now just because it's people say, well, no, but that's the military, that's not spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Every person is spiritual. I can show you people right now. I mean, who was it uh, recently? The... Um, Shaquille O'Neal, when he plays basketball, guess what? It is spiritual. Why? They call it the zone. When you get in the zone, every shot works. Every, it, you can't do anything wrong. You, just, you get in the zone. What is that? What do they call the zone? What is it really? It's in the spirit. The difference is, as a Christian, we have the right to be there because we have the, the name of Jesus. Anybody that comes in through the door, Jesus, is legal. If you come in through a window or another way, you're in the spirit illegal. Right? Most people in the physical world, uh, athletes, uh, military, people like that, they tend to get into the spiritual illegally. Not through the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus. Only Christians. See, witches, uh, all, all that, you know, tarot cards, witchcraft, uh, drugs, all of those are illegal ways to get into the spirit realm. Do they take you to the spirit realm? You bet. Right? But they're illegal. Only Christians have the right to enter and operate in the spirit realm. Alright? Now, when you're doing that, what happens is, anything you do, I'll give you an example. Remember when you were a kid and you were trying to tie your shoe? 
and you would tie it, and you thought you did so good, and five minutes later, it's untied again. And right? Because you didn't know how to put, you know how when you tie a shoe, nowadays you do it, you don't even think about it. And right? You just kind of talk, and it, and you do that little, on the end, you know, that little tight little thing, you know? You know just exactly how much tension to put to make it tight. And right? And you can do it, we're talking. Why? Because it has bypassed the, the, the conscious mind. Why? It has become spiritual. And they're right. It has become because it is totally subconscious. It's not. See, people say, "Well, he's got a subconscious mind." No, the soul. You got the, the flesh, which can be trained. You got the soul, which can be trained. But you can. You also have the spirit that can also be trained. Now, technically, the spirit is training us, right? And we have to train the body and the mind according to the spirit. Now, the military does the same thing. People like uh, rangers, uh, well, any of the special forces. Any of the special ops people, uh, Navy SEALs, the BUDS training, all that stuff. It's that whole training. It's amazing. It's really, see, if they really wanted to develop them physically, they would put them in a weight room and get on weights and they would develop muscle. But they're not trying for physical training. They're trying to go from, they're trying to push the physical and the mental to where you have a physical mental breakdown, essentially. And that's what they'll tell you, especially in the Marine Corps. They'll tell you, we've got to tear you down so we can build you up. What are they trying to do? They're trying to push you to failure so that you will click off of one side and operate on the other. You click out of the natural, out of the carnal, the flesh, and you click over into the spiritual. That's what they do. That's the difference. That's why we refer to people in the military. Man, they got esprit de corps. In other words, the spirit of the corps. They got, they got the spirit. It's a, the spirit in them. You, know, you, you can't break his spirit. So they develop in you the ability to do whatever it takes. Only people who operate in the spirit can do whatever it takes. But people that do it from a physical means tend to enter it illegally. But what we have to do is get to a place in Christianity where we operate at that level all the time in the spirit by legal means. When you do that, that's walking like Jesus. That's doing whatever it takes. He showed no lack, no recognition of lack. Right? He walked on water, he performed miracles, all those things he did, he did by walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. He paid no attention to the flesh, even though he healed the flesh. And right? Because he recognized this is what we need to operate here. It's just like my Tahoe out there, it's a tool. It's not my God. And when it's done, I'll get another one. I'll replace it. Right? It doesn't matter. As long as it gets me to where I'm going, that's what counts. It's a tool. See, that's why. Most people, <clears throat> there was a minister that I knew that he made a statement one time concerned that. He said he, he needed an airplane to, to travel and meet his engagements, his speaking engagements. <clears throat> and finally he got the airplane. And finally he, he told God, he said, why did it take eight years for me to get a plane? And he said, it didn't, God answered him and said, it didn't take me eight years to get the plane to you. It took me eight years for me to get you to a place where the plane was a tool and not a status symbol. That's what we have to realize. See, whenever, whenever money quits being a god, it'll be, see, money will always be either a god or a tool. It cannot be both at the same time. And as long as it's a god, you won't use it as a tool. You'll heap it up. But when money becomes a tool, you won't heap it up. You'll use it. So the idea is that we have to get to a place where nothing matters, nothing counts, buildings, cars, tools, all, who cares? It's all geared towards souls. So it's like right now, what we're doing is we're doing a lot of training on, on uh, spiritual warfare. 
<clears throat> and there's all kinds of stuff out there. And in reality, the only thing that works, I can tell you if it's real spiritual warfare or not. It's real simple. If it causes a lessening of sin and an increase of spirituality, then you're engaged in spiritual warfare. Right? If what you're doing that you think is spiritual warfare is not lessening sin in your life and increasing the level of spirituality that you have, it's not spiritual warfare. It's some kind of religious game or something that you're doing. Right? And at some point you're going to have to quit waving banners and start putting your feet on the street. And which means talking to people and contacting people. Spiritual warfare is not intended in a church. Right? I'm not saying it never takes place. I'm just saying this is not where it all takes place. Okay? This may be the aerial bombardment, but at some, part, at some point you've got to put a soldier on the streets going door to door. It all ends up being urban warfare. Right? That's, that's the, the mentality you have to get. Now, <clears throat> all right. So, we all, all this goes back to how do you keep your healing? I know we got way out there. So, <clears throat> but in reality, the way you keep your healing is the same way you get it. And that is, if I can get you healed, but yet you're not strong enough to carry it, then yeah, you want to say lose your healing? You can use whatever term you want. Because basically, if I can scare the devil off, he'll only stay gone while I'm around. And right? Kind of like a police officer. Okay? I'm a deterrent only as long as I'm around. Whenever I leave... He can spot me. He knows when I'm gone. And he knows that if you won't protect yourself, he'll come right back in on you. Isn't that right? So at some point, the only thing for you to do is to get strong enough to defend yourself. Right? The enemy has to know that you have weapons and knowledge of how to use those weapons to defend and even to defend others. It's not enough for you to defend your own. See, that's what happened in World War II. You know, everybody's willing to defend their own. And that was what happened with the Jewish people at that point was, well, you know, there'll be people that'll help us. And they took them out little by little until there was nobody left that was strong enough to mount a counterattack. And so that's what the enemy does. He tries to break you off piece by piece so that you don't have enough strength to resist him. So my job while I'm here, and one of the things I'm going to be teaching, two sessions we'll be doing. One will be uh, the, what we call Secrets of Divine Healing. And don't, it's just a title, right? It's not really secrets, or else it wouldn't be in a tape and it wouldn't be out public, right? <clears throat> so, it, but it's keys to divine healing. What do you have to know? How do you have to operate? You know, real simple stuff. First off, you know what the number one key is? Get fed up. Nothing changes till you get fed up. As long as you're willing to put up, you ain't fed up. You didn't get out of sin till you got fed up with it. And you won't get out of sickness till you get fed up with it. And you have to begin to hate it. And you have to learn to... Treat it like a person that you hate. You have to talk to it, speak to it, tell it what you want it to do, and know that you have authority over it. Right? And, and, and we're going to go through a whole list. There's 15 things. I know that's not like a big number, but believe me, it's pretty simple once we get it going. The other thing is there's seven things that we're going to teach you on the secrets of spiritual power. How to get powerful, how to stay powerful, not just for you, but for others. See, the number one key is everything... You, Everything that goes in your ear should come out your mouth. All right? That's the number one way to get strong and stay strong. Okay? Tongues are very important, but the number one way is what you hear, you put out. And as you start to put out what you hear, what you hear and hear during these sessions, and you start putting that out and sharing it. See, every, just, why do you think I love doing these? Every time I teach it, I get stronger. Every time. But, you know, I don't get weaker when I do it. I get stronger. 
Why? Because it builds up. It gets one more layer deep in me. And it's like one brick on top of another. And it just gets stronger and stronger. And the whole idea, that's why I put these manuals out. I don't have to put these manuals out. We, I can just come here and teach it to you. But I give you the manual so you can go back and you can get your group together and you can go over these things and you can teach it. And the more you teach it, the stronger you get and the more it will start to flesh out in your life. And you'll start to see it in actuality. And then we're going to give you the, the keys that hold it all together. Which are ex- just like a, you know, I get tired of saying it, it's very simple. But it is. But the one thing that nobody wants to do is to begin to act on what you learn. That's it. See, that's, that's the biggest change you're going to make in these couple of days is you're going to have to make a decision that what I hear, I'm going to do. Because until then, nothing changes. See, and you'll just be a hearer of the word and not a doer. And the Bible says it. If you're a hearer and not a doer, you deceive your own self. And usually what you do is you deceive yourself into believing that you're a doer and not just a hearer. So there's a, there's a lot more into this, but we're going to look as we go along. Here's a question. It says, as a worship leader, can I use the same principles of the power of God for healing, even if I'm not seeing about healing? Yes. <clears throat> God said he sent his word and healed them all. Am I right? So healing comes by the word. So you don't have to sing about healing to get healing, <clears throat> even though every seed does produce after its own kind. So, the idea is that your words become healing, right? You're used to, I taught healing. Even early on, even before I learned what I know now, I taught, I, I understood the doctrine of healing, right? I, could, I taught it in church. There was a similar God church I was going to, and I taught the doctrine of healing, and we had some results. But it was strange because there came a point where I quit teaching the doctrine of healing and I became healing. Right? And the difference was, <coughs> excuse me, is that it came about when I got a hold of the heart of God. Oh, bless you. When I got a hold of the heart of God. You know how we always say love covers the multitude of sins? Well, we ought to believe it instead of just talk about it. Most people are so afraid of making a mistake that they won't do anything. <clears throat> and not doing anything is the biggest mistake you can ever make. And we, we quote it all the time. You know, well, God, God can you know, change things. We even say, even back like with Joseph, well, what, what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good, and he turned it for good. You know, all things work together for the good. See, we always quote half those verses. Right? All things don't work together. Because the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says all things work together for the good. For those who are, what? Love God and are called according to His purpose. So that means that the things that happen to people that don't love God and aren't called according to His purpose, everything doesn't work together for the good for them. Isn't that right? Or God wouldn't have put the qualification on it. So you have to realize there are qualifications to these scriptures. So people, we have this Augustinian view of the, point, of the, of the sovereignty of God to the point where we think, well, everything that happens is God's will. That's not true. If that was true, then we, Jesus would never have said, pray thy will be done on heaven, as, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. You wouldn't have to pray that if his will was always done. And then we got scriptures, even it says that it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Are there people dying and going to hell? Then God's will isn't always done. But when's it done? Whenever we do it. Matter of fact, even Jesus said, I've come to do the will of him that sent me. Isn't that right? And what did he do? He went about fixing things that were not right. That means that if he was doing the will of God that, that 
if the things he did was the will of God, that means that the things he fixed wasn't the will of God. Isn't that right? What was he doing? He was putting things back in order. See, all Jesus was doing is what Adam should have done and what we wouldn't have to be doing if Adam hadn't fell. Because everything got out of kilter. Now our job is to put it all back. And now we have the power and the ability to put it back. Our problem is we've got to figure out, for some unknown reason, what is and what isn't the will of God. But the number one way to prove that is have your mind renewed to the Word of God so you can prove what is the perfect, acceptable, or the, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, now, now think about this. All the scriptures that I've been quoting today, they, I, 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 I challenge you. Go in and study. Take the scriptures that I've been quoting. Because the scriptures generally are taken out of context and what I've been doing is putting them into context. And I've not violated one scripture, but yet I've violated a whole lot of theology. Isn't that right? But, but it's, it's because the word of God is for freedom. See, we think for some reason that God is against us. And he's holding back. And, and, and if something didn't happen, it's because it's his will. No, it's because we're not doing it. We must work the works of him that sent us. Isn't that right? We must begin to do that. He tells you, you stir up the gifts. He didn't say, now, stand back, I'm going to stir up the gifts in you, and when I do, that's whenever you operate. He didn't say that. He said, you stir up the gift. Isn't that right? Jesus said at one point in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, He says that, when, actually, not 24, but I want to go back a little bit, but He quoted at one point where He said, first off, He said, everybody that, does, everybody that says, Lord, Lord, isn't going to enter the kingdom of God. Isn't that right? But he that doeth the will of my Father. So that proves that everything is not God's will, again. And he goes on and on. Now, think about this. At one point he said, He that hears my words, this is Matthew 7, 12, or 24. He said, He that <clears throat> hears my words and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Isn't that right? Wind came, storm came, water came, all that stuff. But the house stood. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. Right? And he said, He that hears my words and don't do them, I will liken him to a fool. Why? He said, because the wind's going to come, the storm's going to come, and the house's going to fall because he didn't build his house on the rock. Now, let me ask you this. Was it God's fault that the man's house fell? Did the, did the storms come on, every, on both groups? Yeah, storm came on both. Isn't that right? What did Jesus say? You're going to have tribulation in the world. Isn't that right? But that doesn't mean it's God's will. That's like this Katrina thing. Then everybody jumped up and started saying, Oh, see, that's the judgment of God. That was a judgment of God. And, it's coming, and it, the bad part was, one person gets up and says it's the judgment of God, and then all the Christians chime in with it. Oh, the judgment of God. Well, if it's the judgment of God, he's getting to be a pretty poor shot. Because he missed Bourbon Street completely. It was up and running. It never shut down. The whole time. And the funny thing was, in the Old Testament, every time it was the judgment of God, the whole city disappeared. Sodom and Gomorrah, they're not up anymore. Was God a better shot in the Old Testament than he is in the New? Is he getting old, missed, or something? I don't know. Come on, think about it. Was it the judgment of God? Or was it what Romans 8 says? That it was the birth, that the, it was the pains, it was the earth groaning, all of creation groaning. Doing what? Waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Waiting for people to stand up and say, no, you don't. Don't come in here. You're going to die out there in the, in, the, in the gulf, and you're not going to come in here. You're not going to do this damage. Well, yeah, but, but now, come on. You think New Orleans was the only place worth destroying? Man, we got a whole coastline over there on, in California. God didn't have to be near as accurate. He could, he could have hit anywhere up and down the coast would have done some good, right? Come on, there's the whole cities out there he could have easily destroyed. 
But we want to, why would he pick just New Orleans? Well, you know, his time had run out. It's amazing how we're so quick to point the finger rather than jump up and say, no, bless God. You won't do it. You die. Peace. Be still. See, that's our example. Jesus, right? We don't see him calling this stuff down. But yet we want to, we want to jump up and somehow whenever that happens, it vindicates us. You know? Well, see, that's, that's why it's good to live a godly life. So you're telling me every person in New every person in New Orleans, you're telling me not one Christian was hurt or their house was destroyed or anything. You're telling me there was none there, none. Because if you say that, you're getting over into judgment real quick. Because and I wouldn't want to be you if you call one of God's kids not a Christian. Because you're going to say there was none there, and I can tell you stories. Some people's houses were protected. There was all kinds of testimonies that come out of it. But you understand, that's not our job is to point the finger. Our job is to bring deliverance. Our job is to help, to encourage, to bring up. Right? Satan's our enemy. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Isn't that right? We don't, isn't that what he said? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Then how come that's, we always point our, our, our wrestling toward people? Rather than taking to the enemy and attacking him. And treating him like the enemy that he is. He's the one that destroys. He's the one that kills. And yet, the Bible says, <clears throat> matter of fact, in Hebrews, we're going to look at that apparently tomorrow. <laughs> Usually I get to it today, but <clears throat> it says in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, it t- or, and it actually goes on all the way to 12, 13, 14. <clears throat> he says that when by reason of time that you should be teaching others, you have need that one come and teach you again the very principles or the basics of the Word of God. And he was talking to the Hebrews at that time, and he says this. He says that who by reason of use... Now, actually at one point he says that these people are, are immature and carnal. And then he talks about... He says, but meat belongs to those who are of full age, maturity. And he says... And this is the amazing part. Because he says... He, he not only tells you that meat belongs to the mature, but then he gives you a... a a description, a definition of what maturity is. He said, Who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. By reason of use, they have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. And yet most Christians can't even tell what's good and what's evil. Why? Because they, by reason of use, they're not having their senses exercised. Where We don't... You get out there... We were in. A, I, I used to play pool a lot, and enjoyed a good pool game. And yeah, I already told you I didn't drink and that kind of stuff. But I would go to bars to play pool, and I, it really didn't bother me because I didn't drink when I went in. So I'd go in and just play pool because I couldn't really find good pool players except in bars. So I'd go in the bars and play pool. And it's funny, especially I did it, you know, for a while after I started preaching. But God started getting on me and saying, "Okay, don't hang out there because somebody's going to see you there and it's going to hurt a, a, a younger believer, and they'll think it's okay, and so all that." So, but it was funny whenever they, I'd go in and play pool and I'd maybe win a couple of games, and then the guy come over and shake my hand and you know, okay, that's a good game. And, hey, what do you do for a living? And I said, "Well, I'm a preacher." <clears throat> you ought to see the look on their face. I mean, I don't know if it was just shock or humiliation, that because everybody thinks a preacher's like Wally Cox. You remember Wally Cox, you know, or Woody Allen. You know, it has that kind of little wimpy little kind of, and well, you know, I just I didn't want to offend you, you know. I well, my see, my job, my job is to <clears throat> comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted, right? So you tell me where you're at, right? So, but 
So I, I, I don't have that attitude of, well, we're just going to try to do some good and I hope we don't offend anybody. No, Jesus said offenses are going to come. Isn't that right? And, and if I offend, I hope it's by word, the word of God, and I hope it offends you, I hope I provoke you to good works. Right? That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to provoke you, which usually means make mad. Right? So if I have to, I will. I don't care because you know, I don't live here. So <laughs> I, can do it, I can do it and leave. But I go into these, these bars and, I, and there's always some guy there, usually dressed in some type of uh, BDU, uh, the uh, fatigues, you know, combat fatigues, that kind of stuff, have all the paraphernalia. <clears throat> and he'd be talking all this trash. You know, about, yeah, bless God, the M16 rifle's a fine weapon. It'll, it'll shoot 3,000 rounds a minute. And I'll tell you what, I've, I've shot a minute. Th- and he'd be telling us stuff. And I just have to listen for a little bit. And when he said the M16 was a fine weapon, or it'll shoot 3,000 rounds, I'd kind of like, excuse me, but you're lying. Right? And he'd look at you like, how do you know that? Because uh, I've shot one. I know first off it'll jam about every magazine or every other magazine at least, which is why our guys in Vietnam would throw them down and pick up an AK-47, not to mention the fact that they had the availability of the enemy's ammo all the way back to where they needed. Didn't have to have good supply. But that, that M16, plus it wouldn't fire 3,000 rounds a minute. And when you hear them say that, see, they would say it because they didn't know any better. They'd never shot it. Somebody probably told them that it would do that. And if you've never done it, You'll believe what anybody tells you. But once you get out and do it, all the theory falls apart. And then you know what's real because you've done it. See, somebody comes along and says, well, you know, healing passed away. And I'm going to look at him like, you poor dumb thing. Because I know better. I'm doing it. I see it every day. I know it hadn't passed away. Well, you know, but, but God won't heal somebody with sin in their life. Mm, wrong. You know, see it every day. People that will acknowledge, yeah, there's sin in my life, and God heals them. So see, you'll, you'll pass on whatever theories you've heard until you get out and do it. But when you start doing it, all the theories fall away and you find out what's real. See, that's the same way it used to be in the martial arts. We'd have guys that claimed all kinds of stuff, said all kinds of stuff. And, and I had one guy call me on the phone one time. We were in different styles, kind of same style, but different families, you might say. And they would try to tell me how much more uh, authentic their style was and they were trying to tell me how my style wasn't and so finally I told them I said well you know this all comes down to one thing why don't you come on over to my school we'll get on the mat we'll cross hands and we'll find out because that's what it comes down to right because anybody can talk let's cross hands we'll see well well, you know we, we, we really don't go into into actual sparring but, it, but it's the history and I'm like hello it's a fighting art <laughs> If it's a fighting art and you can't fight, all you got's art, yeah. right? So yeah, so you go to and we used to call them paper tigers, people that had all kinds of certificates but couldn't back anything up, and that's exactly the way it is in the church. I don't care if you got doctor, I don't care what you got, I don't care how many DD, MAs, MD, I don't care all those. I've seen people with more initials than I have letters in my name, right? And it doesn't mean a bit of difference if you can't set the captive free. Doesn't make any difference. Why? Because anything you say could be theory. Isn't that right? But we've got to get back from theory to the reality of the Bible that works. What Jesus did worked. And the close now there's all kinds of healing methods out there, all kinds of classes and schools and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Camps, what do you want to call it? 
And if it's working for you, then first off, what are you doing here? Right? But secondly, to me it's real simple. If Jesus didn't do it, I ain't going to do it. I'm His representative. You know, Jesus didn't counsel. He didn't do all these kind of things. He didn't do pressure point and chakra healing and crystal healing and all that. He didn't do any of that. He just spoke. He exercised authority. And He demonstrated the kingdom of God. Isn't it right? Which is essentially this. See, Jesus told His disciples, Go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Now, they did not go and preach... Well, Jesus is coming, and in a little while, He's going to be crucified and die for your sins, and then He's going to raise from the dead. They didn't even know that. Right? He tried to explain it to them, and they still didn't get it. Even after He was crucified, they didn't get it. So that wasn't what they were preaching. But they were preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So this idea of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it is the gospel... But it's not the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's the gospel. That's the gospel that lets us preach the gospel of the kingdom. And when you look up the words, the gospel of the kingdom of God, it means literally this. The good news of the supremacy or the reign of God. That's what they went out and preached. They went out into every city and said, we're here to tell you the good news that God is over everything else. And then they would find sickness and said, let us prove it to you. God is over cancer. Cancer, be gone. And they get healed, which proved what they were preaching. Isn't that simple? Every person that's ever been called to preach, that's what you're called to preach. Every Christian, that's what you're called to share. The good news of the supremacy of God by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that simple? And we go about with the authority to demonstrate it. That's what we do. Amen? Amen. Alright, did you get anything out of the day? Tomorrow we'll get in the manual. How's that? We'll actually get over into the book. Okay. So, well, it is five o'clock. Let's all stand up. Let's pray. For I send you right here. Now, if I if I if what I say you agree with, all right, keep it on. If what I say you agree with, then say it along with me. All right, and I'll say it slow so you can think about it. And then we'll go. All right, Father, in Jesus' name. I believe your word. I believe that I'm a doer of the word. Any area that I've not been a doer, I'm going to become a doer. Father, I ask you now, take this word and let it become real in my life. Show me. Areas that I can walk this out. I receive your word and only your word. The words of a man I do not receive. I receive the words of the Spirit of God. And every word spoken here today that was by your Spirit I retain. Any word spoken not by your spirit, I reject. So in Jesus' name, I will fulfill your word. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. And I thank you for letting me be a partaker of your divine nature. And right now, 
I acknowledge that I am a new covenant son, Christian. I am not an old covenant saint. I'm not an old covenant servant. I'm a new covenant son that serves in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. All right. Well, God bless y'all. We will see you tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock.